Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burkwell. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a quote from Morgan Housel, where he speaks into our personal experiences with money and how that may or may not be how the real world actually works. And so specifically, we're going to be talking about three examples of how personal experience with money may not reflect how it actually works in real life. And for those of you guys that are not familiar with it, Morgan Housel wrote Psychology of Money. So this is definitely a topic that he is he knows about and has written about quite a bit. Great, great read. Pick it up and and uh, dig into it. Yeah. So the quote that he has is, your personal experiences with money make up maybe point zero 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 one percent and I may have missed a zero there of what happened in the world, but maybe 80% of how you think the world works. What he's attempting to say here is your personal experience is a very, very, very small amount of the overall data. And it has a huge impact in how we perceive money, our relationship with money, how we make choices, etc. So we're going to be talking about three examples of how that may or may not apply, or it definitely applies to certain people in America today. But before we dive into that, Alex, what are we drinking today? Well, so what you're drinking today is Dragon's Milk Stout. Uh, I'm abstaining this week because I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, uh, but this is a, it's a stout. So it's a darker beer. Uh, it's from New Holland Brewing. It clocks in at an impressive 11% and only has 30 IBUs. So Ryan, what do you think? Yeah. So it's a, a bourbon barrel stout and you can taste the bourbon in it. It's a little sweet for my taste. Um, I take that back. I could drink maybe a schooner of this. I could not drink a full pint of this. This it's it tastes good. It's not that it tastes bad. It's just a little bit too sweet for me to have a full pint. My rating on this, if I were to give this, you know, if I'm, it's probably a six out of ten. Well, I look forward to uh, to trying it when I'm a little bit better and uh, going. We'll we'll well maybe we'll incorporate that into a later podcast here. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about today. So, you know, I think you and I love this topic um, mainly because, well, I'll speak for myself. Before I truly got into the financial world, I was making financial decisions, you know, just like every other American. And (laughs) I had certain perceptions or awareness or understanding of how it worked based on, you know, experiences. This is what I heard my parents say, or my grandparents say, or I watched what they did, or I listened to conversations that they were having with other friends, right? And then I get into, then I'm actually in the world and I'm like, okay, I remember my parents saying X and that's nowhere near how it works. (laughs) And like so much of it is that like we take these these things that we're taught and ingrained with at a young age. And we don't have the context. We don't like when you were five or six or eight or 10 or 16 and hearing these things, 
did you have any ability to understand what was going on in the financial world or like what, like what was, why was it being, why was what was said, said? You know, it, no. And I hate to be like, yes, you're right about that age group. And I would also argue you could be much older and still have a lack of context around everything you just said. Oh, a hundred percent. At the same time, it think back to like now we live in a world where we've been through an incredibly low interest rate environment for a long period of time. And we've seen a spike in interest rates over the last call it six months to a year. Do you have like without looking back and like you and I are in the industry, so we know, but at the same time, like most people don't necessarily know what the world was like from an interest rate standpoint or an economic standpoint when they were kids. It just wasn't something that the average person paid any attention to when they were a kid. Well, what's even more funny, you bring that up. And I, I would I would state that I was a kid, by the way, when I'm about to say this, this might piss people off, but I just it was a lack of experience, is really what it was. Is when I was, this would have been 2004. So when I bought my first house, I'm 24 years old. The interest rate that I was paying on my mortgage was 5%. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know any better, right? I just knew it was 5%. And the only thing I really cared about was really what was the monthly payment. Could I afford it? I don't recall inflation. I don't really recall what was going on in the market a, a ton at that point. But what, as I'm talking about this, you brought up what's going on right now with the interest rates. I do, like when interest rates started going up and it hit 5%, I do recall saying, oh, this is what I hit. Well, this is what I was paying when I bought my first house. I haven't, I haven't had that kind of interest rate in a very long time. And 2004 is almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like think, let that sink in. And 5% at the time was actually not like, that wasn't crazy. It was, was no, it, it was, it was crazy. Cause it was crazy low. Like right. it was one of those things where like, they were talking about mortgage rates at close to historic lows and it being a phenomenal buying opportunity. Like I was in the industry back in 2004. I bought my first home. Was that 2004, 2005? I think it was 2005 that I bought my first home. And I, I remember I had like two folks that I, I both work, I worked with two different mortgage brokers um, was having a hard time figuring out who I was going to get my mortgage from. And one of them had a home equity line of credit that was different or better than the other one. And that's, so that wound up being the deciding factor. Yep. And like two, three years later, during the start of the financial meltdown, when interest rates started rising, like I then went back to the other one and refinanced out of that structure um, or, or refinanced the, the second uh, the second mortgage component of it. And like the mortgage broker that I went with at the time was, was fairly, fairly annoyed and upset because he's like, man, I lost out on this deal because of this product that I'm now refinancing. Um, and so it's, it was just interesting to walk back through like what happened the last time we went through a rise in interest rates and like thinking about it from a standpoint of like when I was just learning how to adult. Yep. 
So, so let's get into our three examples here, Alex. Like we're, we already started kind of going down this path. You know, our, our first example, and this is, I think, a big one, and I started to hint at it, was relationship with money. Mm-hmm. Like almost your view, how you perceive money. And the, the primary example of this is, I mean, I mean, there's tons of examples of this, but think about it. If you were raised in a household where they viewed money as evil, like they constantly said, we don't have any. It's the root it, of all evil. It's the root of all evil. Like that experience can, can derail your relationship with money if when you get to an adult. Because if you kept you kept that same mindset, it might have you not like money to the standpoint of you don't do anything good with it, you just spend it. Right. Or having that mentality of like borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, constantly like being like month to month and the stress and the anxiety that money brings. And just thinking about it, talking about it, dealing with it, whether you've got a lot of it or a little of it, like just talking about money for some people that brings on a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety. You can actually see them physically get tight when we start talking about money and they're actually in a really good position, but it's their relationship with money that has them tighten up. Right. And that can both go both ways. And that was learned through some experience. Mm -hmm. So your viewpoint of money is, is X, but in the real world and to be successful, financially speaking, you're going to have to like, you need to broaden your mind. And those one decisions that one experience is having you think about 80% of how to use your money. And that's just not how the real world works. What? Think about it from this standpoint, Ryan. How many years in school do we spend learning about English, writing, reading, math, art, science, geography, money? Which one of those things do we barely get taught in school? Yep. It, it, no one talks about, oh, well, I take that back. I just found out that my, my kid probably doesn't like it anymore now that I know, but she actually has to take a personal finance course. She's a freshman in high school and she's like, she already warned me, dad, I don't want you to email the teacher. I'm like, no, I'm coming in. I'm going to teach the darn class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I get a chance to volunteer in my daughter's class for, for math. And like one of the things that uh, the teacher learned was that I, I'm in the finance industry. And she goes, oh, great. At some point, we'll have you come in and talk about what you do for a living and how it involves math because like, it's important for them to understand how how it relates to the real world. Which is awesome. Like, I <laughs> wish more teachers would relate it to this is, hey, what you just learned, this is how, it, this is how you actually use it when you are an adult. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe prior. So that that's the first example, right? Or your relationship with money. Number two is, you know, experience with investment performance, Alex. This is such an incredibly loaded question. Uh, so much of it depends on when you first started investing, how you first started investing, 
the the time frame just there are so so many just incredible nuances to this question i i'll share a story from from my family um and that is that like my dad when he first started investing in the stock market he had some really bad experiences and like this was quite a while ago and we didn't have the access to information that we do now we didn't have uh access to diversified portfolios and things of that nature and so if you selected the wrong stocks it was very easy to have a negative experience and once you have kind of a negative experience with investing like it tends to f- like solidify your view as like oh well this is dangerous or bad or whatever else conversely if you have a really good experience it can solidify your view as oh the market is awesome and amazing and can't do wrong and neither of these are accurate again right so i'm going to go back to the quote just to kind of remind everyone of what we're talking about here because i think it's it's key your personal experience makes up maybe the point zero zero however many zeros point zero 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 one percent of what happened in the world but maybe 80% of how you think the world works. So what Alex was just saying is like his father had this experience of investing and he thought and he thought that that's how it was when in, in over time things change. Well, that's not how it is anymore. But because well, of that one experience, this is how it, it it's how is it it's how it is jaded or shaded maybe how he thinks of investing. And he doesn't even think about it from a standpoint of like what he was investing in. He just thinks of it as like, oh, the first time I invested, the market didn't do well. Right. And like it, like I'm not even 100% sure I know exactly when the time frame was because he's been super vague on it with me. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like he could have simply selected or been sold the wrong investment vehicles or stocks that didn't perform well or whatever else. And that personal experience wasn't reflective of what the market did, wasn't reflective of what, you know, was reality at the time, or maybe it was either way, whenever he made up his mind since then, the market has been a phenomenal place to put money and by and large, he's avoided it because of that first initial experience. Good, bad, or indifferent. We can debate that. Um, but it, it that's been the reality. Yeah. So like, you know, to our listeners, what have you experienced that has you think one way that might be actually different? And you may not have a way of answering that question. You know, part of, part of today's episode, we're going through these three examples. This is a prime reason to make sure you've got someone in your life that you can talk to about your different financial decisions or talk about just finances in general that understands the financial world, that is an expert in that arena. When there's, I can't tell you the number of times, Ryan, where like we've had conversations with folks and like they come back and they're like, wow, I did not understand that. Or I wish I would have met you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like depending upon how old they are, like what their time frame is. Um, and like the, the response that we come back with is 
okay, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I wish I would have met you 20 years ago as well. And the only thing we can do is like make choices slightly differently from here moving forward. When you're looking into the past, you're going to constantly beat yourself up because it's easy to see what could have, would have, and should have been done looking backwards and much, much more challenging to do so going forwards. Yep. Which then takes us to number three, which might encompass a lot of what we've been talking about. And number three is, you know, your personal experience has led you to think how money works in a specific way is, is, is our, is our guess. And this happens all the time to Alex just brought it up. Like people will say to us, Oh, I wish I would have met you 10 years earlier because I wish I would have known it worked that way. Or I should have looked at it a certain way. And when we talk about how money works, I guess the key ingredient, the example that I can give to you is this, it's a, another personal story. When, when I was growing up, my, my mother and father made certain financial decisions. And to this day, they still make personal financial decisions uh, without talking to me. And my, my father was talking to me one day about, uh, you know, investing and uh, interest rates. And he was of the, the impression that all debt should get paid off as fast as possible. This is something that we've heard quite a lot and is not common to your father. It, it, is, not, it is not just your father that thinks that way, even now. Well, and it makes sense. And, it, and it, actually in the book, he even describes this. Think about this for a second. Interest rates have not always been so low as, as we've experienced in the last decade. Interest rates have been a lot higher. Like when you used to buy a home, it was double digit interest rates. If not into the 20s. And so that generation that was purchasing home and paying a 15% mortgage interest rate was taught to pay down their mortgage quickly because it was at 15%. And so really what was taken away from that is, and what they taught their children was, debt is bad, pay it all off. Well, I'll take it one step further, Ryan. A couple of generations before that, we had mortgages that were callable. Mm. And so like, imagine, you know, you go out and buy a house for a million dollars, you plunk down 150,000. So you owe 850 on it. And like three years later, you get a message from the bank going, Hey, you've got 90 days to pay us the $835,000 or whatever the current balance is that's unpaid off. Like, What's the likelihood that you're going to be able to do that? Yep. The average person today, likelihood of about zero, likelihood of like you and I, some of our clients, sure, we might be able to like scrape together enough to like figure out like other versions of financing or some other way of coming up with the funds. But what wound up happening was a ton of these people wound up getting foreclosed upon and therefore, one of the things that stuck with them was pay off your mortgage, pay off your mortgage, pay off your mortgage, because it is an ax hanging over your head that is callable. Well, loans today aren't callable. So it like there's this ethos that's been handed down from one generation to the next of you got to pay off your mortgage for something that no longer exists. Yeah. And 
we're not saying that you should not pay off high interest rate debt. I want to make sure that's going to come across clearly. Like if you have double digit interest rate debt, yeah, you should probably be paying that off. We're not even saying don't pay your mortgage off. Yeah. No, we're not saying that either. It's more of a blanket statement of all debt is bad, pay it off. And that may or may not make sense depending on your personal situation. Correct. So I want, you know, the grand message today is like, look, your personal experience doesn't make up a lot of what's actually happened in the world, financially speaking. A lot of other stuff has happened and you're using your personal experience or you may be using your personal experience to make the bulk of your financial decisions. Well, and whether or not that a... is what's Sorry, that? Go ahead. I was gonna say whether a... or not that is right or wrong, we don't know. We're just having you just double check and have someone to bounce that idea off of. Yeah, we all have a bias towards our own like experiences and our own views. And in the absence of being open and learning and absorbing additional viewpoints and really studying how finance works, we're really going to default to the things that we were taught by our parents that we have known for the longest period of time. And so one of the things that Ryan and I are suggesting here is be open, be students, and learn about how finances work because your experience is different from just about everybody else's on the planet. And it may be creating a bias for you. Yep. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is how has has the how have your personal experiences skewed your view and the decisions that you make around money. So head over to beerandmoney.net. And at the top of that page, there's a a spot that says contact us. And that's where you can either answer that question. Now, this might be a question more so for you to, to really internalize. But if anything came up from this episode and you're like, man, I wish they would have spoken more into X. That's a great place for you to reach out to us and let us know that you have an idea for us that you would like for us to talk about or, or go ahead. if you had, if you want to talk to us about that, that's a great spot. Like if you want to talk to us personally and say, Hey, maybe Ryan and Alex might be able to help me in my personal situation. It's a great spot to reach out to us as well. Look, this episode, we started bearing money to talk about money in a simplistic, hopefully fun and engaging way so that you can make financial decisions and act upon them. If you got any value out of this, share with a friend, share with a comrade, share with your parents, right? Because that's the whole purpose of this podcast. We hope this episode was valuable. And as always, Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. 
All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201, phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 15319412, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924, Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699, CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2023-149114, expiration January 2025.